prayer. And it's not just a concept. It's, it's really one of the most important things that you'll ever learn how to do in your relationship with Christ. And yet, it's one of those things that so very few people actually do. Very few people who call themselves Christians actually spend any time praying. Now, I know that you think I've lost my mind, but when I start dealing with people and, and start counseling with people and talking with people, I will ask them many times, have you prayed about this? Well, no, I really haven't prayed about that. I thought you might do that. You're the pastor. Well, I will pray with you, and I'm glad to do that, but wouldn't it be so much better if I taught you how to pray, and you actually prayed, and you could find yourself in the presence of God at any moment, at any given time, and all you'd have to do is just call out to him and cry out to him, and he would hear you. So the last few weeks, we've been talking about this idea of prayer, and hopefully trying to motivate you to believe that this is not just something that we talk about in church, but, but this is one of those things that we need not just be hearers of the word, but we need to be doers of the word as well. Because prayer, prayer is, is powerful, and prayer is not just a key to victory, but it can be in many instances, it is the victory. It is the victory because once you learn how to pray effectively and according to the principles of God, then you will find victory in your life. The disciples came to Jesus on one occasion and said, how should we pray? And in Matthew chapter 6 verse 10, he said, when you pray, pray like this, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth, even as it is in heaven. But we don't always understand how that connects with the in earth part. Because listen, the way it is in heaven right now, it can never be in earth right now. There are principles in heaven that will apply to us here, but if this could be heaven there would be no need for heaven because we would already be in heaven. So we can't pray these crazy prayers and believe that this is going to be heaven on earth, that life here is exactly as it will one day be there. So what he's talking about here is principles, heavenly, godly, spiritual principles that go to work in our lives. Now I'm going to move very quickly here, and probably all you'll be able to do is write down the scripture reference, but I want to give you some scripture references here because what I want you to see right now is that prayer is, is that thing that unlocks God's blessings in our lives in a positive way. Matthew chapter 7 verse 7 says, Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Matthew chapter 21 and verse 22 says, And all things, say all things. 
Whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. John chapter 11, verse 22. This is the passage of scripture where Lazarus is being brought back to life. And, and he's already been dead for several days. And they said, Lord, if we roll the stone back, he's going to stink because he's been dead for so long. Have you ever been in a situation that has been going bad for so long that it's starting to stink? And you want to say, well, it's too late. There's no way that we can have victory. No way that we'll get victory there. Well, you don't want to have that mindset. Instead, you want to have this mindset where they said, but I know that even now, what are they saying? Even now when it stinks, even now when everything seems closed up, even now when it seems there's no possibility, even now when it seems like that the devil has won the victory, even now. They said, even now. Whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, Jesus, God will give it to you. John 14 and 13 says, and whatsoever you shall ask in my name. In other words, with my authority. Not just saying the name of Jesus, but recognizing that you have the authority that Jesus has. He has given us the authority to speak on his behalf into our circumstances. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. John 14 and 13. John 14 and 14, he says, If you will ask anything in my name, in my authority, I will do it. John 15 and 16 says, Whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. John 16 and 23. Whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. John 16 verse 24. To this point, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you shall receive, so that your joy may be full. Notice that statement. Hitherto, you have asked nothing in my name. There are two possibilities here. Number one is the possibility that you're, not just, you're just not asking at all. You just don't want to ask. You're either too proud to ask, or you're too busy to ask, or... You just don't want to ask. And so you don't ask. And because you don't ask, you don't receive. So the first possibility is, is that you're just not asking God to do the things that he needs to do in your life. The second possibility is, is that you're asking, but you're not asking in his name. You're not asking according to his authority. So you're asking but you're not asking in his name. That's what it says. Hitherto, you've asked nothing in my name. So ask, and you shall receive, so that your joy may be full. James chapter 1 and verse 5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, don't look at your spouse right now. It's a bad time to do that. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, 
and it shall be given him. You need wisdom? God's not going to give you a little dab. God's policy is not a little dab will do you. God's policy is I'm going to pour it out upon you in such a way that you can't contain it. I'm a liberal God. I'm a God will give you all that you need and much more than you need in my name. If you will ask, I will provide it. If you ask, I will give it. If you will ask in my name, you will have more than enough to supply the need that you have. If you have no wisdom, ask of God. He will give it to you liberally. You'll be so smart you won't even know what to do with yourself. You'll find ways to do things that you didn't know was possible because God will give you the wisdom that you need. You know what wisdom is? It always is combined with knowledge because knowledge is the revelation of the truth. That's what knowledge is. And once you have the revelation of the truth, the truth will set you free. And wisdom is applied to knowledge, and when wisdom is applied to knowledge, the holy anointing of God takes over, and you find yourself walking in the anointed wisdom of God so that you'll know what to say, how to say it, when to say it, where to say it every time, and God will give you the positive resolve that you need in your life. That sounds pretty good to me. I really thought by then all of you would be shouting and dancing and running the tops of the chairs. But the truth of the matter is, is that many of you aren't shouting and running the tops of the chairs because you're like my son who could not get his shirt buttoned up properly because you have not yet learned how to pray effectively. And so you find yourself in this place where you're saying, Preacher, that preaches good, but it doesn't live out practically in my life. Well, let me just say to you, if it's not working out practically in your life, it's not God's fault. Say amen. If it's not working, working out practically in your life, it's because you're missing something. Something is not activated in your life. As it should be. You say, well, how will I know? Well, I'm getting ready to tell you. Aren't you glad to know that? There are at least six things in Scripture that are very specific and explain to us why our prayers may not be answered. Now, let let me rephrase that. Prayers are always answered. You know, you, you've, you've heard it said, and it, nothing new. God always says yes, or he says no, or he says wait. And there's a lot of truth to that. There's a lot of wisdom to that, because there are times that immediately God says yes. And sometimes he just says flat out no. And other times he'll say yes with an asterisk. It will come later. It will come as... Things begin to come together in your life and in your spirit. So what are those six things? Well, the first one is that when you ask and you don't receive, it's because it's coming from your flesh. It's coming from your flesh. 
James chapter 4, verse 3 says, You ask and you do not receive because you, you ask amiss so that you consume it upon your lust. Now, there are three words there I want you to circle or underline. The first one is you ask amiss. You know what that word amiss means? It means that you didn't even hit the target. When, when I went to get my concealed carry license, you, you have to shoot at a target. And it's really not all that difficult, but there were a couple of people there that they couldn't hit the target. I mean, they literally could not hit the target. When it, they, they, were, they were just waving their guns in the air like crazy. I Finally, I said, I'm going to go stand behind the truck. Because if they're going to keep waving that gun around, I'm going to go protect myself. I don't know when they're going to shoot and when they're not. They've already proven that they can't hit the target. And so they made them stay. When class was over, they had to stay and continue to shoot. And they tried to help them a little bit. But let me tell you something. There are times that we miss the target. We're not even shooting at the right target when we pray. And he says, so when you're not even shooting at the right target, you're shooting a miss, and I'm not going to say yes to prayers that are not even hitting the right target. And then he says, because you want to consume it upon your own lust. Now notice that word consume. Consume in scripture here means selfish. It's It's all about me. I'm praying, but I'm not really concerned about you. I don't really care about you. I'm praying because what I'm praying for is all about me. I want to consume it upon me. It would be like you being thirsty and you're you're just about to drop over because you're so dehydrated. And I've got a little bottle of water here and I say, well, I'm thirsty too. So I'm going to drink instead of you. And just like the old Westerns, when they only had one, one canteen, you know. And then, you know, they'd have to pass it around. And they'd say, just take one little drop. And I'll pass it around. There would always be some evil guy there that would say, no. No, it's my canteen. Sometimes, just to spite their face, they'd take their gun and shoot a hole in the canteen. So the water would run out. It's all about me. It's all about my consumption. It's all about what I can have. God, I want you to bless me, but I want you to bless me because it's all about me. He said, you want to consume it. And then he uses that word lust. Now, there are two different concepts in in Scripture that we see here. By the way, I'm teaching today. Is that all right in case any of you are wondering The difference between teaching and preaching. Teaching and preaching are the same thing, except preaching is a little bit louder. That's all. It's the only difference. There are two concepts in Scripture that that we learn about. One is desire. The psalmist said, if you commit your way to the Lord, he will give you the desire of your heart. But now here James is saying, if you're going to consume it upon yourself, it is birthed in lust. 
And therefore, God is not going to grant it to you because there's a difference between desire and lust. Lust is born out of the flesh. Lust is born out of what I want, what I think I need. But desire is birthed out of the spirit to have the things that God wants me to have. Because if I'm walking with him, then guess what? I'm going to want the things that he wants me to have. So the first reason that your prayers might not be answered is, is because you're asking out of lust and consuming it upon yourself. And God says, I'm not going to let you do that. Second reason is, is that you're asking in a way that is not in alignment with God's nature, his will, and his purpose on earth. In other words, we're supposed to act and live in the character of God. When you accepted Christ as your Savior, he came into you by the Holy Spirit. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You put on the character of God. Now, some of you, it takes a little longer than it does others, but God is crafting you into who he wants you to be. The scripture says, that you put off the old man and everything becomes new. It says that you have the mind of Christ. It says that you have his spirit living in you. So you're no longer living according to your will and your ways and your plan, but you're living according to the spirit of God that lives within you. And so you can't ask something that is contrary to the character and the nature of God because it would be misrepresenting him in the world in which you live. It's a little bit like when I was in Little League when I was a little boy. I always go and I'd practice and I'd prepare and get myself ready. And always before we'd start the game, I'd say, Lord, let us win. I don't care at all about them. I hope that they can't even hit the ball today. Lord, let us win. Why? Because it was selfish on my part. I wanted to win. But you know what? God never did answer that prayer is a yes, I'm convinced. And why would that be? Did, you, did it ever stop the dawn on you that there might be Christian little boys on that team over there? Oh, they might be Baptists, but they're still Christian. You know what I'm saying? I'm just kidding. There, there are other Christian boys and girls Playing on that team. So now I have put God in a position where if he blesses me, he can't bless them with a win. And so I am praying in a way that is in error to his nature and his will. And so God will not answer a prayer that I am praying that is contrary to his nature, his will, and his purpose on earth. Number three. It may be that you're not having your prayers answered because you are doubting, you are wavering, you are unsure about what God's will is. Now look at James chapter 1 verses 6 and 7. It says, let him ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea that is driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think 
that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Wishy-washy. Well, I really don't know what God wants here. I really don't know what God's word says here. I don't really know what God's will would be. You see, this is what we were talking about last week when we were talking about seeking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Don't give up. Keep seeking. Keep searching. If you don't have the answer, just keep seeking until the answer comes. But don't give up. Keep seeking. Keep searching. That's why you've got to get yourself into the Word of God. Listen, you have a couple of choices here. You can say, well, our pastor, he preaches every week. And I'm just going to believe that one of these days he's going to say what I need to hear. You know, it may not be this week. It might be next week. But he'll say what I want to see here or what I need to hear one of these days. And I'm willing just to relax and be okay until he says what I need to hear. Let me tell you something. If I preached every week without stopping, I would never be able to preach everything that you need to hear in the time that you need it. So you know what you've got to do? You've got to say, okay, my family is going through such and such situation right now. And because I know that my family is going through such and such, I've got to get my face in the Word of God and see what God has to say about my situation. I don't have time to wait on the pastor. I don't have time to see if he's going to luckily hit what I need to hear one of these days. You've got to get your face in the book. You've got to know where the scriptures are that pertain to your situation. Here's the good news. Back when I was a kid, we had to go to the back. And we had to go to what was what's called the concordance. Anybody here with concordance? You had to go to the back. You had to look. Forgiveness. Okay, I need to forgive somebody. So one, two, three, four, five, six choices I can read here about forgiveness. The Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness. No, that one won't work. Poured out for many for the forgiveness. And no, that's not baptism or repentance for forgiveness. No, I don't need that. I need to, who, who forgives all forgiving, forgiving, oh Lord, our good and forget. No, I can't find anything. Did you know, how many of you have a computer? Can I see your hands? Did you know that they have this thing on your computer called Google? And you can Google it. It's, oh, it seems very unspiritual to me. Hey, I don't care how you get here. Get here if you can, as they used to say. I don't care how you get here. Just get here if you can. Listen, I don't care how you get there. Just get there if you can. Because when the word of God comes to you, it will set you free. It will give you the wisdom that you need to be able to ask with some sense of belief that, God, I don't have to wonder whether or not this is true. I know that it is true. And so I'm going to stand in the truth of your word. I need to listen to my own preaching sometimes because I can say some things that I think that sounded pretty good, but when I have to start living it out for my own life, 
There are times that I struggle just like you do with whether or not I'm, I'm hitting on the right thing, whether am I, I'm praying or not the right way. And when you get into this mindset where you're saying, well, I don't know, God, I don't know if it's this way or if it's that way. I don't know if it's up or down. I don't know if it's in or out. I don't know if it's red or blue. I don't know. 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 And when we get in that mindset, the devil knows that he has us because we cannot pray with confidence and we cannot pray the word of God because we don't know what the word of God says about the situation. I've said enough about that. I'm moving on. Good that I'm moving on. I just wanted to make sure. The fourth reason is, is that you might just be living in disobedience and in impurity in your life. Are you okay with that? How many of you know that there is such a thing as a disobedient Christian? This week I was reading in Jeremiah chapter 44 and I wrote one of the devotions about it this this week, and I titled the devotion, We Will Not Do What You Say. And if you go to Jeremiah chapter 44, what you see is that the Israelites, that the, the, the people of God have come to Jeremiah, and they've said, we're in a heap of trouble here. And we need God's intervention in this matter. And Jeremiah spoke the word of the Lord to them. And you know what their response was? We will not do what you said for us to do. We know that you have spoken to us the words of Yahweh. That's what they said. We know that what you have told us has come from God, but we're still not going to do it. Somebody say amen. So the only thing that I can tell you is, is that if God has spoken and you choose to disobey, then stop wasting your time praying about it. Because God is not going to answer the prayer in a positive way for those who are disobedient to the word of God. Amen? Or you're living in an impure lifestyle. So you cry out to God, I'm in trouble, Lord. Well, yeah, you are in trouble. You know why you're in trouble? Because you're living an impure lifestyle. You're living outside of the commandments of God. (laughs) I don't want to make you mad. I'm helping you button your shirt up right. I'm trying. I, I, I want you to see that you'll never be able to get the positive resolve that you desire If you insist on being disobedient to the things of God. I'm just thinking about several instances that I could mention. And I'm just wondering if I should or not. Because some of these things ought to be pretty obvious. Boy, Lord, he's good looking. I'd like to go out with him one time. One time. 
Is he a Christian? No. But I bet I can make him one. I'll make him smile so big he'll be anything I want him to be. No. No, it, it, it just won't work. Well, God, I need you to bless me financially. But I ain't going to pay my tithes now. I ain't going to do that. I don't care how many times that preacher talks about it. I'm just going to ball myself up. And I'm just going to refuse to do it. Or better yet, i tell you what I'll do. I'll give for two weeks and then I'll quit again. That way he'll think I'm paying tithe, but I ain't actually doing it. I'm just... Let me tell you something. As a pastor, the, my least favorite thing to have to talk about is money. But can I tell you that you're never, ever going to get victory in your finances until you start being obedient to the word of God. Let me help you button your shirt up and give two weeks and quit. It won't bother me. You can't hide it from God. He knows. Smack yourself a couple of times and say, I only thought I fooled God. You can't fool God. You got to do what the word says do. Well, I don't like my husband anymore. I think I'm going to get me a new one. I don't like my wife no more. She won't fix me any grits and cornbread. Get me one that will. Be all right. But that, that's not what the Word of God says. Are you still with me today? I'm not saying anything I shouldn't be saying, am I? Because I'll admit I'm not all the way here this morning, but I'm... I'm still preaching okay. Hey, we can't live in disobedience and then expect God to say, oh, you know what? I have considered that and you're right. Your way is much better than my way. No big deal. Let's change it all. Throw your Bible up here. I'll make the necessary edits. I'll give you your very own Bible. I got to quit. Got to go on. <laughs> Whatever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments. What? Because we keep his commandments. And we do those things that are pleasing in his sight. 1 John 3.22 and by the way, that's the King James Version. There you go. Isaiah 1 and 15. And when you spread forth your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Yea, when you make many prayers, I will not hear you because your hands are full of blood. 
Number five, lack of heavenly honor. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, hold on now. Hold your britches tight right now. Guys, you better put your seatbelt on right now. Do it quick because this is going to scare the pudding out of you. 1 Peter 3 and 7, likewise, husbands, dwell with them. Who? Your wife. Dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor to the wife as unto the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life. Why? So that your prayers be not hindered. Well, if she would just do this, I would honor her. No, that's not what it says. If she would fix me beans and cornbread the way I like it, I would honor her. No, doesn't say that either. If she'd have sex with me more often, I'd honor her. Oh, wait a minute. You can't say that in the pulpit, can you? You know, a lot of things would be better in our house if she'd have sex with me more often. Maybe she'd have sex with you more often if you would honor her. Well, I heard some amens with that <laughs> female voice. We are heirs together with grace, <clears throat> which means that when we stand before the Father together, she is just as much a child of God as I am she is just as important to God as I am. But as a husband, I have a responsibility to honor her as my wife. <laughs> we need to get a speaker installed in the men's room. All those guys that sneak out when it starts getting hot up in here. I'm going to meddle for just a few minutes. I've been, I've been getting real bad at this lately. Can I meddle for just a few minutes? Man, we can talk all we want about our, our nation needs change. But our nation's not going to have the change that it needs until we start respecting each other across gender lines and across nationalities and across the skin color. And all of those things. I was at a football game yesterday for my grandson, Ben. And, and we went out. We were sitting in the truck with the air conditioner and just kind of waiting. And, and I looked out. And I, I had watched the news earlier. And I'm fully aware of all that's going on in Charlotte. And listen, I know there are bad cops. And I know there are good cops. And I, I know there are bad people on the streets. And I know there are good people. I understand all that. I get all that. 
But so often what we see on the national news does not always accurately reflect what's going on in our hometown. We were sitting there in our, that truck and there was this, <clears throat> there was this uh, black man that was carrying a large ice cooler on his shoulder and had another bag that he was, that he was drag, dragging and he was trying to get his stuff from the football field back to his car. And he was struggling to get it done. <clears throat> and all of a sudden I saw a white guy walk over to him and he took the, the cooler that was on his shoulder off of him and lessened his burden and carried the cooler to the car for this black man as the black man took the other things and here I saw a black man and a white man doing life together and neither one of them pulled a gun on each other and neither one of them fussed at each other but both of them were laughing and smiling and enjoyed doing life together. Let me tell you something now. God didn't call me just to love white people. God called me to love every individual that he created. Regardless of white, black, yellow, red, whatever. If I'm going to represent him properly, I have to represent his love to everybody. I know that we've got people in America right now. They're so stinking mad because we got Syrian refugees that have come to our country. And I know I'm going to get myself in trouble now. I'm going to dig a hole I'll never be able to get out of. But the scripture says that not only will we go to them, but there's going to come a time when they're going to come to us. And when they come to us, we have a responsibility of the church not to reject them but to love them with the love of Jesus Christ. It's our job to love everybody. Now how can I say I love the Father when I don't love the brother, the one that's standing right next to me? They say, well, but they're not from here. Well, I don't, I don't see where Scripture says that that's a requirement. Love them only if they're American. Love them if they're only white. I'm looking. Let me try the concordance. White. 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 Here's what I see about white. It makes like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. His clothing was white as snow. Liz was telling me just maybe a couple of weeks ago about how much her school has changed where she works over at Simple. Because they have had so many refugees that have come into the country that are attending school. Well, what would you expect them to do? So, I'm sorry, you're not American, so we can't teach you ABCs. We can't teach you math, and we can't teach you. 
Is that what we're supposed to do? Is that what would please the Lord? I, I think not. I think what the Lord would have us do is to extend the love of Jesus Christ to all flesh at all times. I'm going to say this and then I promise I'll quit. And I'll stop meddling and I'll move on. Sometimes our prayers are hindered because we can't get past and all get past posting all of our radical, stupid Facebook posts about how much we hate the next person and the person over here. And it's hindering our spirituality. It's hindering our prayers. It's hindering our ability to do the work of the kingdom of God in these last days. This world's never going to look like it looked like in 1930. And we're never going to make it back to the 1950s. We have been dealt this hand. But the good news is, is that God has given us every resource that we need to love the unlovable. And to give them the love of Jesus Christ in such a way that they can come to him. One last thing and then I'm done. Come, come help me if you will. Another reason that our prayers might not be answered is because we're not abiding in him. John chapter 15 and verse 7 says, if, say if. What does if mean? If means that there is a possibility that one thing could happen or there's a possibility that another thing could happen. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done. <clears throat> if I choose to abide in Christ, it means I am constantly and always in Him. And He is constantly and always in me. We are one. When you see me and look at me, you should see Christ. When I look at you, I should see Christ. And he is in you. And his word. His word. See some of these attitudes that we have right now. They're not reflected in his word. He went and ministered to a young lady by a well one day. That he was not even supposed to talk to. Not even supposed to approach her. But the Father was in him. And the words of the Father were in him. <laughs> I may only have about half of you here next week. I don't know. Time to find a new church. Preacher's getting weird on us now. I'm just saying that if I'm abiding in Christ, life can't be like life in the world is. If I'm abiding in Christ and his words abide in me, 
then what I say should be reflecting his heart to every person, no matter who they are. We've got so many come and go Christians. That's what I call them. Come to church for a while, get all fired up, come to the altar, cry, spit all over themselves. <laughs> They'll hold up for a good four, five, six weeks. Then they're on again. Come and go. Abide. 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 So what's the answer? How do we remedy these things? You're not going to like this. I promise you, you're not going to like it. And I know some of you are already mad at me because it's 10 after 12. There's only one remedy. Repentance. That's it. So what's repentance? Well, repentance is, I've been going one way, but I saw the error of my way, and I turned around, and I started walking the other way. That's what repentance is. And you know what? This church is full of men and women who need to repent. Now, you don't know how it breaks my heart. To have to say that to you. But hear me. You're never going to get your life together. Until you stop trying to live it in your own power and in your own way, you have to repent. You have to plead with the Lord to forgive you of your stubbornness. show you how to line the buttons up. But you have to do it. That's all I got. But here's the good news. I believe that there are men and women in this house today that you want to 
we're talking about. You want victory and you're willing to repent and make the right choices to move